Welcome to Eyes and Teeth, Robert Pierce, a pantomime dame and performer of poems and stories, and a wonderful new way of entertaining families in festivals and theatres across the land. In this edition of Eyes and Teeth, I talk to Robert about our time together touring with Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee, and we talk of our fondness of meeting the late and great Roy Hudd. We also talk about the wonderful Dame Edna Everidge, Barry Humphreys, and West Country comedian the adorable Andy Ford. Listen to the passion of a performer who gives his all to make the world a happier place. Welcome Robert Pierce, aka Mama G. Hello Steve, how are you? Good morning, this is wonderful on a Monday morning. Well, yeah, we'd see your bright smile, I love it. Yes, and uh, I think I've seen you in many mornings in rehearsals in pantomime over the years. So we're used to seeing, you know, the, uh, oh, excuse me, while I yawn and rub my eyes look. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, the bleary eyes as you wonder what you're doing at Southsea at 10 o'clock in the morning, putting a full face of makeup on. That's it, the Southsea, wasn't it? It, it was yeah. the, the excitement of the um, going on all the, the fairground rides at Southsea, wasn't it? It wasn't about the panto. <laughs> Absolutely. If you buy the seaside, you've got to take advantage of it. It's so exciting to to, um, to see you doing what you do because it's like a passion. And uh, and I know this has come from the heart, uh, the Mama G experience that we're going to talk about. Um, mm. but I, I knew you slightly before that. And, and I like to get to know how did Robert Pierce get into this business and, and get the, the passion that you have for what you do? Uh, what was that first little spark that made you think, I want to do that? Uh, well, this is it's so cliche, Steve, because uh, it literally was when I was like three or four and I grew up in Plymouth and my mum took me to see Sleeping Beauty at the Theatre Royal with uh, Hinge and Brackett and Bernard Breslau and Peter Goodright, Bobby that Crush. Brilliant cast. And John, uh, no, Jeffrey Holland was the dame. Oh, my goodness. And I just, I saw a Panto and Western the year before, but I was too scared of the witch. So I spent most of the time in the foyer, apparently. But. <laughs> Uh, Sleeping Beauty, I distinctly remember. It was a big show. It was really glittery. I had one of those little fairy tale books from our library, the classic like puffin ones. So I was already entranced with the story of Sleeping Beauty and then seeing it on stage. I just remember it being so magical. Wow. Oh, that's brilliant. And you never forget that first theatre experience, do you? And that's no, what we don't. say. That is cliche. We talk about the kids first entrance into the theatre, you know, but that it is pantomime. It's And it's true, like, performers, I think, can sometimes underestimate how important that one performance they're struggling through is to a child in the audience. And I try <laughs> and remind myself every every 10 o'clock show that I'm doing, no matter how hungover I am, how tired I am, how full of <laughs> chest infection I am as I was this Christmas, I try oh. and remind myself that this is potentially a life-changing experience for someone in the audience. And you, that you can never take that for granted it's so special and it's very easy to forget so I always try and remind myself of that it is isn't it and we, and we had this installed in us by our director Mr David Burrows down in Cardiff and it was even though you're halfway through your, the run or maybe if you're on the last show of the pantomime for the audience it's their first time seeing it every show should be as strong as the other 100% performance all the way through and no matter what even though you're going through chest infections and exhaustion and you, you've got three shows in one day it is 10 a.m in the morning but every show has to be like like your first for the audience's respect really you know we have to respect them 
Absolutely. And just from a professional standpoint, if you treat every show like your first, then you'll never get bored of it because yeah. it's it's so much fun and you can always find new things you weren't aware of or you can just have the freedom to 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 play with it, which is really great. Yeah. And I'm thinking from a performance perspective, it would be great to treat every show as if it's your last because you will give it your all as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually I mean? a very good perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I quite like that. I, I there's, just thought of that. <laughs> there's nothing worse than even having a really good time on a panto and getting through a show but doing that last show and thinking, oh, I could have done it like that the whole time. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's horrible. You you think of a gag that worked yeah. on the, you know, a, a week before you finish. Think, why didn't we think of this in rehearsal? It's such a shame. But it is a wonderful thing. We're going to talk a lot, I I feel, about pantomime today. And uh, we met through pantomime, me and you, Robert. Absolutely. So and you make me smile when I see you and I work with you because you are such uh, down to earth beautiful person you you uh you just want to spread happiness you know and you there was just smiles the whole time we worked together it was just fun wasn't it and that's yeah i think it's really important a great job to to yeah to do this and also to remember you're trying to you, we're so lucky to do it like to get to make people laugh that's why i'd rather do panto than hamlet because <laughs> no one laughs when they go and see hamlet um but and if did. they are it's gone terribly wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but like like panto is so much fun to to make and the great thing about it is that it doesn't just make kids laugh it doesn't just make adults laugh it can make everyone laugh and it's a really immersive experience that's suitable for everyone. Families can enjoy it together. It's not like watching the Teletubbies and the kids are going to love it, but the parents hate it. Like it, <laughs> Panto is designed for everyone to enjoy it, which is why I think it's really important that the performers know that they can enjoy it as well. Because when you see a group of performers on stage, especially like when we did Alice in Wonderland, that tour, and you know that the performers are having a blast and having a great time. The audience is going to have an even better time than they were expecting. And it's just when you can feel all that joy in the room, there's nothing like it. I know no. you can yeah. probably tell. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and you can tell as well. It's nice that the audience can see that that love for the performer. They love being there. And you can see the camaraderie between the performers on stage. If there's a bit of tension, the audience know that they can feel that. And but uh, at the other end of the, you know, the the spectrum that you have got the um, the audience can tell when the cast love each other as well. And we had that yeah. this year, and I'm sure you had that as well. Yeah, I was in Liverpool this year, and we the minute I got there, I was like, oh, these people are going to be really fun because also Scousers are like the nicest people on the planet. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I've ever been in a more welcoming city. Oh, I thought uh, the Welsh were actually. I thought Cardiff was like that. Well, so maybe, maybe it's just the, the country. <laughs> but yes, maybe we're all really nice people. Yeah. Uh, of Great course, Britain. <laughs> Great Britain. That's that's why it's great because we're nice. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I need to backtrack a bit. You said adults don't like the Teletubbies. <laughs> Well, I, I don't. So I, I guess. <laughs> oh, gee, no. <laughs> well, no, I was I was too old for the Teletubbies when they started, but I wasn't old enough to think they were fun either. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. Yeah, and I'm I'm really I'm really laughing at my children's TV shows now because they're watching Bluey. Have you heard of Bluey? I've heard yeah, of Bluey. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch well, Bluey, but I've heard of it. Uh, my kids are hooked on it, but I've sat there watched it and I'm laughing my head off because the Hugh it's an Australian uh, cartoon that's come over here now. And they start to do the costume characters in our local zoo. Uh, they actually roadblocked our area. I couldn't get to, uh, I was going on uh, to a wedding actually. And the whole road, the A27 out of Eastbourne was blocked because 
uh, Bluey, uh, you know, somebody in a suit of Bluey <laughs> yeah. was visiting the local zoo and that, that zoo blocks our road. And literally we were there over an hour trying to get <sighs> past this roundabout because it was chock-a-block. Everyone wanted to go and meet Bluey. But so, you know, so kids television, it, it changes, doesn't it? There's the tweenies, the Teletubbies and in the night guard and all that weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Freakies. Yeah. Well, my the, my era is rainbow. Of course. Well, that's it's just noises. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I need to uh, I need to go back to you because uh, when we worked together, I remember we had a conversation about one of your your idols your inspirations the wonderful roy hard who oh yeah obviously miss very dearly but you you spoke to me about roy hard and i i told you i'd worked with him and then mm. you told me how much you adored him but you'd never met him but i know you have since yes as quite weirdly for a 13 year old i became obsessed with roy hard uh because we went to see the pantomime in plymouth and it was mother goose and it was him and jack trip and my dad up to that point really wasn't a fan of panto and it used to get quite grumpy when we went to see them. <laughs> but Roy Hudd and Jack Tripp were so funny together that I turned to him at one point and he was crying with laughter. Oh. And I remember thinking, I, I want to I be able to make people feel like that. For him to turn up and not want to watch it, but then leave thinking he's just had the best time. So I started to really follow Roy Hudd's career because he was a big inspiration to me. And yes, I'd never met him when we worked together, but then he did Mother Goose at Wilton's Music Hall. Wow, yes. And I, because Mother Goose is now my favourite panto as well, being a panto dame. So I went to see it with some friends and Wilton's is, and it was wonderful. And it was really nice because it was, I think, quite similar to the version I'd seen in Plymouth. I recognised some of the jokes and some of the gags they did. And I really, really was like, this is the opportunity to meet him. It's a, it's a small, intimate venue. It's not like a, a theatre where you can't access the actors like they they just come and drink in the bar but i was so nervous oh wow and i you know because for two reasons because i've really admired him for a long time um so i was nervous to just to have that moment but also if he turned around and been a horrible person i'd have been really upset <laughs> so we're really on the edge here um, but i brought my copy of his autobiography with me just in case and one of my friends knew that and as we were walking past the bar, they just looked in and they saw that Roy Hudd was sat with a group of friends and they just grabbed my hand and took me across. And I just stood there patiently until he turned around and was like, who's this weirdo? <laughs> and then we had a really lovely chat and I got to tell him how much um, that pantomime had meant to me. And we got to talk about Jack Tripp and oh. how he'd inspired me and how them working together had inspired me. And then he signed his autobiography for me and I actually cried. Oh, but I left because I was so overwhelmed. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. What a lovely story. Fart in a colander. It's a great biography. Yeah, I, I love I'm the book. It's it's really good. I'm trying to I can't see it now. It's on my bookshelf somewhere. Um, it's a brilliant book. Because also he writes and performed with loads of warmth. He was a really warm performer, which I think is something that has influenced me really greatly in what I do. There was no like uh animosity or negativity he was really positive and his performances were really warm and i saw i've seen him lots of times i saw him in farces i saw him do his musical show and I, the musical show i especially remember it was just him and a pianist and he makes the audience feel like they're in his front room yeah and he's just chatting to them and when you're yeah, doing that, that i think yeah it was incredible uh, and i every time i'm on stage i'm like how do i do that 
<laughs> what do I do? Oh, that's but nice guess... that you take that with you. It really is. Oh, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's really important as well because a lot of performances you see, a lot of uh, even uh, some pantomimes, that the the, the humour gets bogged down in negativity and being snarky, and actually. In a lot of ways, the best humor and the most intelligent humor is the humor that makes you laugh because it's positive and because it's loving and because it's caring. I think when we when we laugh at snarky comedy, which I do enjoy, but I think <laughs> yes. we're we're laughing at our our lowest denominator. Like that's the easiest comedy because laughing at people is funny. But actually, when a comedian makes you laugh because they've said something loving and caring and intelligent, that's like that's top notch comedy. it's so nice when people do inspire you and and you get to meet them they say never meet your heroes but there was no doubt that roy hudd was gonna live up to your expectations because he is on stage what he is off stage he will tell you stories off stage as if he is on stage i i've had so many wonderful hours with him and uh, he proposed me into the water rats the grand order of water rats as you know and so for him to see that in me and to make me you know part of that show business charity was was incredible for him to give me that time and i opened a fate with him in his village and spent the night at his home with him and debbie and oh yeah i don't know if you saw his library but his library is you know it was a museum of music wow. hall books and you know music score sheets and everything oh it's incredible and i know he's i think he's handed that over now was it the British Library? I think, it, yeah, or the National Museum or something. It literally is, or the V&A Museum. I think they they've kept a lot of Roy Hudd's mm. library, which is incredible and great to save you all that. An encyclopedia of just complete music hall variety and comedy. It, it, his mind was incredible. Yeah, you're very lucky. I'm very jealous of you, but I am. At least I've met him, so I yes. can say that he gave us much, much joy and. I, uh, I'm hoping to do a, actually on this final season, I'm hoping to do a tribute to Roy Hudd and have many people talk about him. So, um, oh, amazing. So that, yeah, that is wonderful because he's, he's truly, truly missed. Oh, contributional. Now I worked with you in, in pantomime, but I worked back in the 98, 99 was my first ever pantomime. I was around 23 years old. And and I got this panto for Hammond pantomimes. And my first was in Peterborough with uh, a wonderful Mr. Jamie Wilson. Now, Jamie Wilson was Aladdin in this show. And it was through Jamie that I got to meet yourself. So Jamie run Magic Beans pantomimes. And then when I got there, there you were. So I meet Robert <laughs> Pierce in in our, our rehearsal room. And and we just uh, continue to have fun, lots of fun. And we've done lots of things since. So we've only done one pantomime together, but it was truly memorable because it was a tour, wasn't it? It was Alice in Wonderland. Jamie Wilson produced it and it was just great fun. And and yes. I got to see you and Ant Payne work together. Now, you you were almost a, a double act for quite a few years, you and Ant. Yeah, and Ant was someone I met uh, about 15 years ago when I very, very first worked for Jamie because when Jamie started, he was doing tours of village halls of pantomimes in January once everyone right. else had finished panto and he and Ant had been friends for a while and I just auditioned and in fact if you look on YouTube there's a a documentary called Panto People oh. which charts the very first time I met Ant and Jamie. Some of my family still live here and I went to drama school in Sidcup pantomime something that I'm really interested in in its history and its traditions and how it's performed now. Okay. Hello! 
some research into the sort of gags that Danes use. Um, I tried to invent some of my own by thinking about topical things. I liked him a lot. I liked him. I thought he was funny. Yeah, he actually made me laugh. Yeah. Laugh out politeness. The only thing is it's really obvious that he's done Ugly Sister because there was a bit of a scary side to him. Don't yes, you think? I thought that. Sometimes he was a big wicked witch. Yeah. But I think you could knock that out of him quite easily. Robert Pierce as Dane, who I'm very pleased with, because mm. he was very good. Lovely. Sarah the Cook, page eight. I am a widow and I live alone. Oh. But sadder than that, oh. well, to be honest, I have had my fair share of love. Do you know I've had 16 husbands? Yes. Four richer, four poorer, four bedroom, four worse. Sarah, Sarah, has anyone ever told you that you're beautiful? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> right, good. Um, two minute wee break and then I'm going to start uh, blocking. Oh, I'm so happy I can sing a song. I'm... Oh, oh simple sign that I didn't see you there. Oh, then you should have got the Spencers. Don't be cheeky. Good dress means have a really good first show. I laughed too much. I spent the whole week managing not to laugh, or, or, and, or Jamie does, and today I laughed at everything. They say that, like, uh, not so good dress means have a really good first show. I laughed too much. I spent the whole week managing not to laugh, or, or, and, or Jamie does, and today I laughed at everything. A bit disappointed in myself, really. Fire up, baby! I'm a little bit worried still that none of us have gone to the forums without laughing, swearing, or messing it all up. Um, this is a bit of an inappropriate place to do at least two of those things. Kids did enjoy it, but it could have gone a lot better. There were a few missed cues by just about every one of us. And like I said, I did manage to laugh on stage, but I wasn't planning to, I didn't swear. I'm taking everybody's negative energy and sort of recycling it into positive energy that I'm going to use on stage. And we, yeah, we went on a little tour and then Ant and I became very good friends and we, uh, we really bounced off each other really well on stage. And actually, uh, I guess this, this isn't libelous to anyone, but I don't think I've ever worked for a comic that is as good as Ant in terms of my relationship with him, because we, we were just able to just do silly things and be silly people and have the freedom to know that something funny was going to happen. I don't know what it was like for the rest of the cast. You would have to <laughs> just wait sometimes really patiently <laughs> once we tried to do something funny. But I think we had a really similar energy. But I haven't worked with Ant for seven years now. Oh, really? It's been that long? Yeah, it's been Lime. ages. Yeah, it was a great partnership. And you can see that that connection between you both on the stage when I worked with you. And and I come to see one or two of your pantomimes if you working mm -hmm. together. And it was so great. To, to watch that connection you know it was it was nice yeah to see. i think it's really nice when you find people like that and i've uh since there are there are, there are people that i connect with and bounce with off stage it's never quite the same as ant um but again you know things things move on don't they things evolve situations change i wanted to go and work for a different company a different venue yeah. Ant wanted to stay where he was and that was that was that but yeah. we're still friends so it's all good <laughs> Eyes and I've worked with you in, in uh, like I say, in Panto, but you, you seem to be the youngest dame I've I've ever worked with. You're you're a very young dame, aren't you? Well, yeah, I'm not anymore, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I was back in the day. Uh, I started playing dame 
my first one was when I was 23, I think. Okay. Wow. I played Ugly Sister opposite Arthur Bostrom off of a lower low. Wow. In Middlesbrough. <laughs> uh yeah, which was which was great. And then I've yeah, I've played Dame ever since. So this this year was my 16th Christmas playing Dame, but my 18th Christmas panto in total. And because I do panto throughout the year, so I do summer pantos, Easter pantos, January pantos, whenever pantos. It's I think it's about my thirty sixth or thirty seventh panto that I've done all together. Oh, see, oh, that's incredible. That's that's amazing. East, East, yeah, because I we done the, the Easter panto with Alice yeah. in Wonderland, so that was Easter. Uh, so you've got a Valentine's panto and a pancake panto coming up soon. <laughs> well, as memory, I tell a, I tell a lovely Valentine's story, which has lots of panto elements in it. So if that oh, counts, oh, but I do have an Easter panto coming up soon that I'm producing myself. Amazing. Where's uh, that going? It's at the Woodville in Gravesend just for two days. Oh, yeah, yeah. We worked there on the tour and the, the, the Gravesend yeah. Wood, Woodville was a lovely venue, isn't it? It's a really, really nice venue. And it's why I've done panto there for ages and the audience knows me but then last year i was like no i want to go somewhere else but they missed oh. me so you know i've got to give the people what they want to <laughs> you're coming back they love you yeah. they miss you and they'll be very pleased to see you again I, I remember time at the woodville and going to the chinese restaurant opposite with with yeah debbie mcgee and paul daniels uh, you might working with them and their rabbit harry it was it was a great time when it 2016 well, we did that yeah i've got I mean, I can't believe it's taken us this long to bring up Paul and Debbie. I know. My goodness. I've, I I, mean, Roy had absolute hero. But as a kid, I didn't obviously have much exposure to him until I was like 13. But Paul and Debbie, every Saturday night on the telly. Yeah. Wrote, like, the magic show. My, my family had opinions on them. I remember Debbie <laughs> McGee doing a trick with butterflies and my mum saying, you can see the wires. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> and and obviously and um, uh, Paul and Martin did um, what was their show called? Oh yeah, they oh, had no. a kids show. Which I was the, yeah, I was the perfect age for Wiz Wiz the Wiz Wiz yeah with the little cone Wizbit Wizbit oh Wizbit yeah of course it was yeah I loved it I absolutely loved it and I'd worked with Martin a few years before on when I was still ASMing pantos um so to w nothing will prepare you for walking into a room and seeing two absolute legends and icons i know i, I, I still was, feel very lucky to have done that i was excited I, just as much as you are yeah i can't brilliant i, I can't believe that, <laughs> that it happened especially because it was uh as we didn't know at the time but it was quite near the end of paul's career um but he the same as roy i guess paul stories for everything and Paul never repeats the story. No, he didn't, which, did he? Which is absolutely stunning. And he also had loads of amazing ideas, stuff that like technology that's happening now. He was talking about like back then. And I'm like, somebody must have been listening to your conversation because this exists now. Uh, he 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 taught, you remember Laura Jane, who was the butterfly? I oh, she was too. lovely. Yeah. She's great. And she's doing really well as well now. Uh, Laura Jane, um, Paul sat Laura Jane and me down and like talked us through how to find that, like how to look after your financials, what you need to do. And like, like proper, like, I wish she sat me down. <laughs> I, I need that now. I, I did. I did stick by it for a while and then it just got too chaotic. <laughs> um, but like he, like he pr properly felt like he was taking you under his wing, passing on his lessons, passing on his stories. And the thing I remember most about them, because of course you all hear lots of stories about, Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee, many of them perpetuated by um, Carolina Hearn's character, Mrs. Merton, and that infamous appearance, which I remember Debbie talking to us about 
But the one thing I definitely genuinely saw was how much they like loved each other. And it was, so I remember one day I was all just taking a break and they were just waltzing around the rehearsal room. And I was like, oh my God. Wasn't that lovely to see? They were holding hands, uh, you know, you'd, you'd see them kiss during the rehearsal. And I yeah. mean, not like a big kiss, just a kiss on the lips and or on the cheek. And she'd all, she'd look after him and they, they did love each other. It was so lovely to see, you know, yeah, and to like, see a married couple like that, to be that happy <laughs> still, you really know. Really happy. But also, like, they on stage, they were individuals. Like, oh, also yes. they did their magic act, but Debbie was the white rabbit, and she was, oh, she was amazing. I, I, I love her. <laughs> Debbie. Because she's, she's, if you want to talk about doing every show like it's your first, Debbie McKee's got that magic element. And I think I, I probably learned from her with, with I without realizing she's just so good to go and be part of the fun i remember there were two times that really stick out in my mind um about debbie is uh, we used to do 12 days of christmas or if i were not upon the stage or it something. was if i was not upon the stage because was, I, I, yeah i'll tell you my you, part <laughs> it was you me Gisette, who was yes. a cheshire cat <laughs> and aunt i think on debbie and i remember once falling over and pulling on <laughs> Gisette help me up but actually all I did was pull Josette down on top of me <laughs> and then the next thing I heard was Debbie go pile on <laughs> she just jumped on us <laughs> which I thought was incredible and then another time we were doing the ghost gag and we J Jamie does quite a regimented ghost gag uh, so it's very 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 precise and there's this one point where you you all the characters turn to each other and say there wasn't a ghost was there blah 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 there wasn't a ghost was there blah 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 until you get to the end one and the end one's been scared off by the ghost and you know, everyone screams <laughs> and i we'd gone through this a few times getting the kids to shout out and i was stood next to debbie and i knew i had to turn to her and say there wasn't a ghost was there white rabbit <laughs> and i turned to her and she wasn't there and i was like oh no <laughs> She's oh, left early. Confused. I was like, oh no, I've, I've lost. Because the other thing about Alice in Wonderland is if any of us messed up, none of us knew where we were. Neither did the audience. Because it was such a confusing script. Nobody had a clue what was going on. The writer didn't like, know. No, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm in the wrong place. And then <laughs> and then I heard this like wittering and I was like, oh God, what's going on? But this is all happening very quickly. And I looked down and Debbie is just talking to a child in the front row. <laughs> and it's, I'm, it's bonkers. But yeah. it's also really beautiful as well because yeah. Debbie's Debbie's just engaging with one person, oh. like giving them their full attention. And I, I was like, that is it's so, it's so beautiful. It's not that helpful to us right now, but <laughs> it, it, is, it was just so. And I I learned I learned so much from watching Debbie, yeah. which actually when when you go into working with Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee, the assumption is you're going to learn from Paul. And I did, but actually stagecraft, I learned so much from Debbie, just yeah. about having fun, about being joyful, about appreciating where you are, appreciating the people you're with, appreciating the people you're performing to. She's gold. Absolutely. Definitely. So this is now turned into the Debbie McGee worship podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, no, you know, I mean, to that little kid, it was talking to a six foot rabbit or five foot rabbit. <laughs> you know, <so laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it was magical for them. But and didn't she have a naughty, cheeky laugh though during the panto in the, in the show? She always got the giggles, didn't she? Always, and it's and it becomes joyful to try and make Debbie laugh, even though you know you will. It's <laughs> it. You just want to see it because it's really beautiful and it's genuine. Yeah, yeah, it is. She's just. Uh, but whilst we're we'll finish, I'm sure talking about Debbie soon. So <laughs> let me just my my. I other... don't know if we will. 
I just love because also I don't I know this very small group of people that have worked with her so I don't ever get the opportunity because normally when you talk about people like Debbie and Paul everyone's like all right name drop and I'm like no I just want to talk about them because I like them yeah um one of my abiding memories of Debbie because she's also stunning like she's beautiful isn't she's she gorgeous, she's gorgeous isn't she yeah she really is and genuinely as she looks on screen like in the 90s is how she looks in real life now uh, and I remember us all being in Dunstable at the Grove, which is a beautiful theatre. And you know, the, the Weatherspoons is like yeah. about four <laughs> doors down, isn't it? And it's all yeah. glass frontage. And we were all in there and Debbie wasn't. And she was obviously getting changed. And then I remember watching her walk along the window, these huge windows in an electric blue jumpsuit. <laughs> so poised with her bag over her shoulder, looking straight forward. And you could almost sense like the pub going quiet as she walked past and then the doors open and she was like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> and I was like, now that's magic. <laughs> oh, nice. That's an entrance, isn't it? I was like, that's that's amazing. Um, so yeah, we love Debbie. Yeah, I need to revert back just a little bit because it, we talk about how lovely Debbie McGee is. But in, in the routine that we did, that was, if I was not up on the stage, she had a, a giant boxing glove didn't she mm -hmm. i was yeah. the recipient 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 <laughs> yeah. of the of the right hand and she really went for it she when it got to the um you know if i was not up on the stage a boxer i would be she would turn around and clump me one just it, i mean in the first few shows it was just a light little tap on the head but then debbie mcgee put some power behind that right <laughs> hook and she literally right hooked me. And she, one day she, I thought she broke my nose because I actually turned round just to see if there was any blood there. And, oh, and there wasn't. No but way. I felt like I'd been punched in. Well, I was. I was punched by Debbie McGee in the face with a giant boxing glove. It was so funny. But it sometimes it hurt. But I, I was laughing so much because she <laughs> always caught me unawares, you know. But yet I thought I'm going to be safe with Debbie McGee. She's not going to hurt me. But. She, she, she knew she was going for it though but yeah she great. was just so lovely to work with i loved being with her and paul absolutely and that's actually another lesson that you can learn from debbie because she was a dancer everything was full out choreographed all the well. time yeah, uh, yeah yeah really well choreographed and actually i feel a little bit hard done by now because when if i were not up on the stage in the 12 days of christmas the few times i did them with jamie they were the best times i've ever done it because you everyone would be just having so much fun and they they would become chaos but it's never overly rehearsed so you it's always on the, the edge of becoming too much but because everyone's having so much fun and everyone's fully committing to it now sometimes when I see 12 days done or I've done it myself I'm like oh this is just I'm just doing the motions yeah the hat's yeah. gonna fall off everyone knows the hat's gonna fall off <laughs> and I'm like but it could be it could be chaos. <laughs> can be magic. And, and it is yeah. magic when that happens, isn't it? The the chaos that looks un unrehearsed chaos that's completely rehearsed. <laughs> but, Absolutely. And sometimes yeah. it does go wrong as well. When things do go wrong, it's even funnier because yeah. it's great Abs for us. Absolutely. But I think you've you've got to have the, the right sort of people, which we did on Alice in Wonderland, where everyone's able to deal with it and is willing for it to happen. Yes. Like it would never be a case of one person trying to make stuff go wrong and everyone else panicking. It would be a case of everyone having things go wrong and everyone else enjoying what was happening to the other people, which then ricochets into them not concentrating on <laughs> the next bit that's happening. But the audience is watching five people just trying to 
get through a scene because everyone's still doing the actions but still really I used, to, I, remember, I used to climb off the stage and get things and when we did it in seven oaks once we're doing 12 days of christmas and through these like like foam spring rolls out in the audience and he used to have to run and get them and one show he ran out to get them and they were handed back to him by davina mccall <laughs> Really? And and he came up on he came up on stage and went yeah he, he went Davina McCall's watching and I was like what <laughs> so weird yeah. sorry I'm completely derailing this no Just... no no it's so lovely it's, it's all about the stories I mean you're all about the stories now anyway you're a great storyteller and this is this is turned into your career nice segue uh thank you very much and so i'm thinking like all this experience of the pantomimes that you you've done in the past you know working closely with with ant pain and and now building up the routines the banter everything that you've learned from panto you've put into this wonderful character called mama g and and she's a panto dame can you tell me how you come up with the character Mama G, who is a wonderful invention. Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Mama G is, as you said, a panto dame, and she's a storyteller. So she tells stories all year round uh, about being who you want and loving who you are. And it's all aimed at families. And I, I'm going to, it's it's actually selfish, although I, she does very good work. But I just wanted to do panto all the time because <laughs> I really, it's, it's my absolute passion and I absolutely love it. And we were, I started a company called Petite Pantos the year that I stopped working for Jamie because I didn't think I was going to get a Christmas one. Then I did, which was chaotic. And we did, our first show was a, a double bill of two pantomimes. We did Mother Goose and Dick Whittington. Dick Whittington was quite traditional and Mother Goose was really modern. Uh, Donald Trump was the baddie because that was at the height of his weirdness. <laughs> and all the all his lines were verbatim Donald Trump quotes. Um, we had like like an lgbt soundtrack so it was all lgbt artists and it was all just really fun and really cool and we got the opportunity to do it at the brighton fringe in that may about five years ago and it, it, when you do anything at a fringe festival as you probably know it's really hard to sell tickets because it's not like going down to brighton and you're one of five shows that are on that night you're going down to brighton you're one of a hundred shows that are on that night yeah, it's still still tough. serving the same population <laughs> yeah so you have to really fight to sell tickets and i was having quite a tough year at that point like i was really a few uh, a few that sounded arrogant a relationship had broken up <laughs> <laughs> i'd probably tried to start a few since which i hadn't helped um and i worked like money was tricky and i think stopping working for Jamie had actually really impacted me in ways that I hadn't expected because I'd worked with him for a long time. Mm. So socially. Huge um, like, changes. Yeah. yeah. Lots of changes. I was just really low. And I, I was talking to one of my friends called Taya at the unicorn theater where I work. God, this is such a long story, but um, we've got time. Great. And, and Taya was saying, Rob, why don't you write a story? You know, like you write story, you like, you write pantomimes, uh, you need to do something creative, write a story for kids. So I, I went on to, to BuzzFeed to find out how you do it. And literally the fourth, the a fourth of a 10 point plan for getting a book published was to read the story to children. And that's sort of where I just stopped <laughs> because I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I put two and two together and I was like, this is a really good way to promote the pantomime because I can be, a, I can go into libraries and schools and whatever you as a carrot as a pantomime dame and tell them my story and then wow. probably read some other stories alongside it and this ties in nicely because mother goose traditionally is a storyteller um you know from the old because you, you get mother goose fairy tales 
And I was like, Mother Goose sounds a bit old hat. So I, I called her Mama G for some reason. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, I yeah. love how this has come out. Yeah, this yeah. is brilliant and how a story. So, and so now people often ask me, what's the G stand for? And I'm like, goose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't make sense. You need That's to know the story. Yeah, they're like, what? Uh, so Mamaji has gotten uh, like an origin story, like a superhero. So it's that she was born in the 1700s in Paris, in France, and uh, she was telling stories and was really popular. But Charles Perrault, who wrote like Cinderella and stuff, he gets jealous of her. So he turns her into a goose. Um, and to punish her, the goose can live eternally, but obviously as a goose can't tell stories. <laughs> and then... Like 300 years later, she's still roaming around and she's seen that, you know, everything's getting really bad, you know, with, you know, Trump and right wing this and that. And she realizes the way to do it is she needs to tell stories again to help people. But she doesn't know how how to not be a goose. And she's wishing about it really hard one day. And then her fairy godmother appears and her fairy godmother's Oprah. And uh, <laughs> Oprah turns her back into a human, and she can tell stories again. <laughs> so oh, wow! That's that's the uh, that's the origin story, just in case. Um, <laughs> and if I'm sure we, we probably will talk about this, but when uh, I did Britain's Got Talent last year with Dame Nation, they we had a, a researcher call and ask for our backstories, and I was like, I've, I need to do BGT as Mama G. In all honesty, yes. otherwise, you know, for my business. And, and they were like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And I was like, okay, so you want to know Mama G's backstory? Here we go. So I told, <laughs> I told her, I wrote this group call. And she's like, what? <laughs> and, and then everyone else is like, well, we're going to have to do backstories like that now, aren't we? And she's like, yeah, I think so. So we all, and it was great because everyone was just inventing stories. It was oh, really brilliant. nice. Yeah. Like an acting exercise, actually. Yes. But then when I went, I was, I was the dame that spoke to the judges and on the actual program, there's a clip of me going on and Amanda Holden saying, where'd you come from? And in that moment, I'm like, oh God, the story I told. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And I go, well, I was born in the 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> and I give up on the story very quickly. <laughs> My name is Mamaji. I was born in the 1700s in France and I told stories. <laughs> I'm a storytelling pantomime dame. I do panto throughout the year telling stories to children about being who you want and loving who you are. And darling, I was still a builder living with my mom. But then I had 
Brilliant. That's, that's lovely that you kept with that because they do like to get to know the people on BGT. They like to get to know the, the true story and they, they want to find out things, don't they? And and then it's so nice that you got to keep your character uh, true to itself. Oh, yeah, it was really important to me because uh, as Mamaji's developed, uh, Mamaji has like become my way of communicating as well because she's got a much bigger following on the socials than I have, <laughs> uh, which you know is a bit irritating. But also because she's a character for children, children think that Mamaji is a a person who exists. Like they actually think she's a. a, a they don't. They understand. What am I trying to say? They understand that she's a character, but they don't understand that there's a person behind the character. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I I do try and. Like I know that you know Dame Edna exists separate to Barry Humphreys, and I'm not quite that extreme, but I do bear that in mind. Like kids need to, it would really confuse a kid if they saw Mama G on stage, but he was being called or she was being called Robert. All right, <laughs> yeah, so actually, you know, it's got to be Mama G, and all you know, just for business, it's got to be Mama G as well. Yeah, yeah, it is a business, you know, and it's a pro product, you know, that you're selling and, uh -huh. and a wonderful pro product. Now, I, I saw Nina treated me for my birthday last year to go and see Barry Humphreys talking oh. about his career. And I, and I got to listen to all them stories about Dame Edna and <clears throat> what a wonderful man and, and talent that, that Barry mm. Humphreys is. But Dame Edna, yeah, wonderful. Was Dame Edna an early inspiration for you? Because how funny is that man? Uh, uh, yeah, Dame Edna was definitely an inspiration, but I wouldn't say until I saw him do Panto. Right. You know, he did Wimbledon. Did you see did Wimbledon? Wimbledon? Oh, yeah. Kevorkian, yeah, yeah. Kevorkian, Eric Potts. Uh, oh. I went to see it twice. But I went to a, a school's matinee. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> uh, and it was and he and it was amazing and obviously the kids were lapping Dame Edna up <clears throat> but I was like I think I want to see it with an audience performance. <laughs> yeah so I, I went back and it, I don't think you've ever seen anything like that 
I was for about a solid two years afterwards obsessed with Dame Edna. And that was around the same time, I think around, it must've been just before we worked with Paul and Debbie actually. And Ant and I were just doing like schools tours and Dame Edna was a big influence because I, not even Roy had, I don't think, you've never seen anyone control an audience like Dame Edna controls an audience. Sometimes it can get uncomfortable because <laughs> what the difference I think between Roy had and Dame Edna is that Dame Edna will always control the audience in the same way yes. rather than if the even if the audience aren't responding to it. Dame Edna, that's Dame Edna's dick and that is what Dame Edna will do. But when the audience are responding to it positively, it's there is nothing like it than being in that room brilliant like the the way that people beg to be bullied by dame edna <laughs> yes like it's it's so weird it's the opposite of what i was saying earlier actually but what i what i understood from watching barry humphreys is the con he he is when he's dame edna he is so in the moment he's he's you don't you don't know that there is someone behind the mask no. all you see is dame edna and and I remember really and working with Debbie was a bit similar, but he's, he's got the freedom, even though he does keep to the stick, you feel like he's got the freedom to play with it. Then working with Debbie, you're actually watching someone who has got the freedom to just be on stage and just have a good time and yeah. putting those two together. Quite It's quite a strong combo. And I was really, really working on that in that period to to get that. And I think when you reach it, you can feel it, you know. I mean, sadly, I haven't had this experience many times. Um, still book me though, please, people. But like <laughs> when you get to that moment when you're like, I can say anything. Yes, yes. And I am going to get a laugh. And sometimes you have shows where you're like, well, why are these jokes not getting laughs today? I can't even improvise. So my, when you try and improvise, and you're like, oh, why did I try that? <laughs> What's my phrase not engaged? But when you, there's a, I think you can feel, it feels like you're soaring when you hit that sweet spot of having the audience in the palm of your hand. And that's happened, you know, it happens in school sometimes. It's happened, uh, at, you know, at the London Palladium when we did BGT. And it's just, it's the most magical feeling. And I really, Dame Edna's what focused me on how to get that. Brilliant. You um, use that skill that you saw. Yeah. Yeah. Because also, um, I'm sure that you're the same. When you go and see people, whoever you're watching on stage, even if it's like an ensemble member, like you can learn from people. And, you know, sometimes like when the ensemble are really like engaged and you see that someone is like full out, full out with feeling, you're like, yeah, that's how you be on stage. Sometimes you know you watch someone the starring role and you're like oh i'm gonna that's a, you did a weird little hand gesture there and that was very funny so i'm gonna bring it like andy ford you must you know andy ford, oh, i right? love andy yeah yeah brilliant. oh my god ah <laughs> yes. uh, uh, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with andy ford but uh i, I saw him he's so subtle isn't he isn't he just a, subtle it's incredible yeah. i don't know how he uh i saw him in a panto when i was still at school at the Bristol Hippodrome and it was only on for a week because it was on its way to Bournemouth and it, I guess they cancelled something and it went in. Oh, wow. Um, and he's again, one of the best people I've ever seen on stage. And he's so, so and of course I'm from the Southwest. So he's, he had me at the accent. Like I was <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, good yeah. to go with that accent. Let me lovers. Yeah. <laughs> right. But his little gestures and the way he accentuates punchlines with, with his legs and his hands. Yeah. And his little like, like Frank, Frank Spencer-ish, isn't it, really? A, it? Yeah, the, a, a yeah. little bit, but no, it's not as chaotic as Frank Spencer. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's really, it feels really precise, but it's like, and the way his his punchlines, they don't, like you, most punchlines you've got to like hit, but his punchlines sort of, 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. He, he, he sentences end of the... And he's so <laughs> funny. Um, and I, I've probably only seen him twice actually live, but I've watched him on YouTube quite a lot. And I've noticed over the years, uh, I've started to... I do something, I'm like, that's Andy Ford. Mm. That's definitely... Well, I'm, what is happening <laughs> yeah. now is an Andy Ford, and I've really built it in. And one of the dames from Dame Nation, who's called Courtney, yeah, he's from Bristol, and he one one rehearsal it was just him and me just talking about how much we love andy ford <laughs> oh, oh that's lovely this, this, yeah. this is now the debbie mcgee and andy ford uh, appreciation society Absolutely. and you <laughs> thought it was going to be the roy hub <laughs> i did society. i really did and, and then uh, but, but yeah no andy ford i worked with him on a tv show in 97 25 years ago so it was wow and the big big talent show jonathan ross was host, uh -huh. hosting it and he's he done brilliant on there he was so different he, he came on and he was subtle, Andy Ford. He was portraying this wonderful character. And, you know, you either get it or you don't. But when you get it, it people were crying with laughter. I've yeah. supported Andy. I supported him at the Bristol Hippodrome two or three times because I love his audiences. We've got the same type of audience, you know. Mm. They just love visual comedy. And, and I sit... After I've been on, I sit and watch Andy do his thing afterwards. And the audience, he gets his panther audience to come back and fills it with two and a half thousand people. And they love him. They just love him. And it's brilliant yeah. because he delivers. He delivers in pantomime so well. And I've learned by watching him as well on some of the YouTube clips. I spoke to him about panto before I came back into it. And mm -hmm. he's given me great advice. You know, so it really is. It's nice to watch these people that a natural in pantomime aren't they and absolutely and i think the skill that he has because i've only seen him at the hippodrome is that because he is subtle and his performance is quite small but he makes you lean in uh, yeah like he he makes you he makes you want to engage with him uh, and other sometimes you see performers who are filling the space but you're like mm, I, i'm not is it like there's a wall between you and them yeah. but he's yeah he just draws you in and i uh, there's the, the youtube clip i really enjoy watching uh, most probably because I saw him do this panto. It's when he did Snow White with Cara Twinton. It must have been about 12 years ago at the Hippodrome. And Liz Robertson is playing the Wicked Queen. And he does that gag where she keeps saying things. And then, but like she says, a girl's allowed quote. And then he sings girls allowed. Oh, yes. yes. And it's the simplest <laughs> thing in the world. And it's the sort of thing you watch and go, why didn't I think of that? That's obvious. Uh, yeah. but I couldn't play it the way that he does because the way he does it is so funny. <laughs> Oh God, I love, I love Andy yeah. Ford. <laughs> yeah, we love we love you, Andy. Love yeah. Andy very much. Now I've seen Mama G grow uh, very fast. By the way, I must say, M Mama G was in your face, and then Mama G is is everywhere. I've seen you work festivals, pride events, schools, parties. The work's expanding so quickly, and we recently did a festival together, didn't we? Last year we did. And, yeah, and I bumped into you, and I didn't know you were going to be there. And so when I got there, I saw you walking towards us, and I said, Nina it's mama g and so i said i'm gonna be on the same time as mama g i'm gonna miss your storytelling i was gutted but nina decided to watch you and not me so she <laughs> yeah she took the kids to see you in the tent and you didn't and she came back and she raved about you all day she, she loved what she saw she was laughing she, she loved watching our kids watch you the interaction you have of the families and the love that you you spread in these shows is brilliant and does it bring what you wanted it to bring? Because it sounds like it's delivering what you wanted. I don't actually know if I knew that it can do what it does, if that makes sense. Because uh, I'm 
I, 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 it has got good intentions. Aside from the fact that it was a way that I could do Panto all year round, the intentions are pure, like <laughs> to help kids know that whoever they whoever they turn up uh, turn out to be whatever they're feeling in that moment like they're wonderful and they're deserving of love and they're deserving of being told that they're great and actually you know so few adults get told that i, I quite get a really positive response from adults as well uh, and i think it's a really it's really nice to be able to do what i love and also make people feel loved at the same time like it's such a gift to be able to do that um and it's it's such it's just it, hearing what people think about it because the other weird thing i'm sure you get this is because i'm doing what i love it doesn't i don't question whether i'm good at it or not it's just what i have to do so when people like yesterday i did a kid's i did a one-year-old's birthday party yesterday right. it was quite a challenging atmosphere because obviously <laughs> at kids parties the adults want to talk the kids don't really want to sit down and watch the show they want to play um <laughs> And I was like, oh, this room's really hard to play. It was a small bar. And then afterwards, an adult came up to me and went, that was amazing. You're incredible. How did you keep the kids' attention? And I was like, oh, I was just doing what I do. I was like, I can't, I can't answer. <laughs> um, and I think because I, all I, all I do is just present love. Mamaji is a loving character. She's very, very, very maternal um which is weird because i don't want kids in the slightest <laughs> um but i'm very good at talking to kids and that is something i learned from Ant. actually i think people just respond really warmly to it and also the fact that the messaging is really positive as well and it's really upbeat but over the years um i have even though she is a panto dame it's taken me quite a while to realize how much panto i can involve so now um the stories used to be just like me performing a story yes. but now now i do like uh, we we have like a he's behind you section. We go on treasure hunts around libraries. Oh, wow. We have magic. Um, I play my trumpet sometimes <laughs> if I'm feeling brave enough. I didn't um, think you blow your own trumpet, but you do. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just I can't remember what the question was, but now I'm just waxing lyrical about myself. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's just about my, my children watching you, and they they love oh. you. So I'm so glad my kids have seen you live in that in a festival situation, you know, and, and you are being booked in festivals a lot, aren't you? You're, you're pride yeah. events and uh, do a lot of pride events. And I also organize pride events brilliant. Uh, for fam specifically family pride events. And you did our very first one, Steve, you, yeah, you it was an online our, during lockdown. It was an online one it? during lockdown. Yeah. Yes. Cause I was bothered about not being able to go to prides and I thought, oh, I'll just organize my own. Cause oh. I'm also that sort of person. I, yeah. I just do stuff regardless of whether it's. That was amazing. It must have made you feel really creative during the lockdown, but you had the family pride party and I was proud to do a little yeah, spot. That yeah. was amazing. We loved having you. And we, we had people from all over the world. I found another Mamaji uh, who lives in uh, <gasps> Arizona who runs a, <laughs> I know, but she runs a farm. Oh. And so she did a video for us where she just took us around the farm, introducing to all the animal families. Oh, that's it was absolutely nice. Amazing. Yeah, it's great. So um, Mama, Mama Goose meets Mama Goat. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God, we should do that. I'm going to go to Arizona now. I'm off. Um, yeah, so I do a lot of prides. I do, I do Glowworm Festival, which is an amazing festival for kids wow. um, uh, in Nottingham in uh, as the summer holidays. I work a lot with Elmer the Patchwork Elephant. Um, so I work Brilliant. with the... The publishers and we do uh, i do shows with him 
Uh, and so the, the, the nice thing, because one of my crusades is to show that Panto is more than just a commercial piece of theatre. Like I actually think Panto is really important. And one of the nice things I've had as being Mama G is I've been able to take Panto into spaces you don't expect it. So last year I did a two hour slot at the Edinburgh International Book Festival. Wow. Nice. Where I got to perform my own stories, but I was also interviewing authors and I did the Cheltenham Literature Festival last year. Oh, that's and brilliant. it was virtually sold out. And here I am at the Cheltenham Literature Festival, basically doing panto in the guise of telling some stories. <laughs> and people are coming. And I, as a kid, even as an adult now, sometimes I think, why don't people value panto? Why don't people take it seriously? And then... There I am at the Cheltenham Literature Festival, the most serious of all literature festivals, <laughs> doing panto. I feel absolutely. And you brought blessed. that. You've made that happen. I, yeah, <laughs> you must be proud of that. Yeah, I, I'm really, really, really proud, and that's why I'm the the more I do it, the more conscious I get of making sure that Mamaji is a representation of what I believe panto is. But then you also have to involve all the panto elements. So actually, if making making sure people know how much I love panto has only improved what Mamaji does. Oh, amazing. What, what a lovely story. And and obviously you doing what you do, you always dress bright, bright clothes, colourful. It's all about the colour. And and I have these puppets. I'm a comedy ventriloquist. It's all about the lighting, the colour, the the and here we are sat in our grey jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a good point. <laughs> no but one can see that on audio, but <laughs> no, but it's it's the truth. But no, sometimes you just have to let your eyes relax, don't you, Steve? <laughs> Yeah, no, we need to we need to blink again. So uh, uh, Nina and I were so delighted to see you walk on. And I didn't know you were going to be on Britain's Got Talent, but you walked on. Then I saw my, uh, one of my uh, fellow uh, dames walk on, Peter Bradley, who, yeah. who I, did, I did Dunstable Grove with, yeah. with uh, Alan Fletcher. And that was Magic Beans as well. And so you came on with Dame Nation. How did this yeah. come about? Uh, well, it started in, I think... 2000 and december 2019 if you can believe right um and they were looking and uh, bgt for a long time have wanted to have panto on uh be britain's got talent and something i you may remember or you, we may not have told you is that ant and i actually went on britain's got talent um oh, and did a three yeah. minute panto and it was a complete disaster we got four buzzers but we um because we were asked to be there ant and i and we were um essentially just actors doing an audition so when we got the buzzers we were like cool and when they were giving our feedback we were like yep that's fine actually yeah that makes sense so we didn't get on the television at all oh. but which oh, is fine I because i was i didn't want people to see me mess panto up so 2019 they they're still looking for panto and somebody has an idea for a group of dames a dame super group and they they put a call out on facebook and I was at that time in Gravesend with uh, Leanne Jones, who's the original Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray. And she came running up to me in rehearsals and was like, Rob, um, I've just seen this on Facebook. Uh, my friend's looking for Panther Dames to go on Britain's Got Talent. Uh, you, you need his number. I'm going to get his number for you. And she just messaged him and was like, uh, my friend Rob. And he called me that afternoon and explained it to me. And I was like, yeah, this, is, this sounds great. Timing, yeah. And obviously some of the other dames had found had seen the message or been put in touch with it. So he collated them. And I was like, can, can my friend do it? And he was like, yeah, I could get you. So obviously everyone had to have a chat with him to make sure they, they got it. And they ended up, I think there was a 12 of us originally. 
Well, we all had a big Zoom call and the intention was for us to do it in 2021. Because, you know, remember when everyone thought the pandemic had finished and then it turned out it definitely hadn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to do it that third lockdown, but then obviously it all got cancelled. And then over the year, um, various dames and stuff started to open up again, got uh, different different jobs and had to drop out. So it ended up with the eight of us. Okay. And then... Uh, we'd, I think we'd sort of forgotten about it, but we'd had a, a discussion about what we were going to do that was vaguely along the lines of um, what BGT had asked us. And then in oct October of 21, uh, we got a message saying, oh, we really need to see a video of, of your act so we can send it off to the judges. And we were like, aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, don't worry. Uh, they gave us a choreographer called Carly who runs Carry On Costumes with her mum, Sue. Um, amazing oh, costume, wow. Maya. Yeah, they, they they just made Nina, my my wife Nina. She yeah. does a Gloria Estefan tribute, yeah. and they just made her an amazing jacket for her touring. So, well, yeah, they, they made, are amazing. They, made, they are proper, and they're the nicest people in the world. Uh, Sue's an absolute riot. Uh, and so we we got together, we put together a, a medley of songs. I rewrote the lyrics and I did a few sketches. And then one day we just went to a venue in South London, all eight of us and Carly and just spent three hours rehearsing and i'd never been in such a big group of dames before and i was really nervous that it was going to be like catty and horrible but actually it was just so nice because everyone was really excited to be a doing something panto related again and b to You're just be with them yeah to know that we're going to be on television and in all fairness we didn't know we were going to be on television <laughs> <laughs> so uh and then uh, we, we, we sent loads of videos. They really liked it. And then, um, about this time last year, we filmed our, our bit at the London Palladium. And Amazing. so we, 2022 you were on 2022. Yeah. So we uh, filmed at the London Palladium about a week ago last year. And, but before that, literally the week before we filmed it, I went to see the Palladium Panto and about halfway through the Palladium Panto, I was watching Gary Wilmot do his bit and I had a panic attack because I was like, the next dame on there is going to be me. <laughs> wow. But it must have and been I, an amazing moment to think I'm going to be on the Palladium stage next week. Yeah. yeah. And and obviously you've been through the whole BGT process. And the, the day when you film that initial audition is bewildering, isn't it? It's, it's, it, it is it's absolute chaos. I can only describe it as a horrible day. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's Until really, you get on. Yeah. Yeah. It's really full on. And also we were the first series back in two years and we were the first day of audition. So they were still doing the fit up like as we were, we got a sound check, which was nice, but they were still literally still building the set. So it was just, it was just chaos everywhere. And the, 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 the green room was actually in a hotel, a 10 minute drive away. So there was a tiny minibus that was having to take hundreds of people back and forth. We were getting a lot, we were losing dames. We, no one, none of the, none of the runners knew anything about the building so they didn't know where they were it was just it was you couldn't think i don't even know if i drank or ate anything on that day <laughs> and then you do so many interviews as well don't you none of which yeah. saw the light of day no, no. I, I hours spent... hours you think oh i'm gonna be on oh, tv for you so know, for weeks <laughs> yeah. yeah they're, they're um, saying oh they're saying you're seconds. oh you're so yeah they're like you're so funny this is great you're the best person we've had in you're Keep like, that in. great <laughs> then you never see it <laughs> no, no. and and honestly uh some of the interview rooms you're like you're like in a hot box 
it's like a dark room you're like you're in there for like half an hour and obviously in all all our dame outfit i was like this is absolutely baking anyway um so we go backstage to the palladium which is really exciting and by that point i start to get really nervous and you know this feeling because you think i've made a massive mistake yeah i i is had it, that i nearly walked that... out i was i was half hour before going on and i was thinking there was a few people that were buzzed before i went on i was at the palladium and I went out into the corridor and I couldn't phone my wife because you weren't allowed your phones, were you? On that yeah. Day? So, so I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I just didn't have anyone there to support me. So I was thinking, I think I'm making a mistake now. And, mm. I, and I was 37. I, I'd been in the business 15 years um, professionally already. And, uh, and I'd built up quite a nice reputation. So I, I nearly walked. And then yeah. I, I'm glad I stayed because I, after what happened, it, it it went all right so yeah yeah but, but you do that, get them doubts don't you it's that it's a, it's a really really horrible moment and i was actually in a really similar position to you because i was 37 when we filmed it and i had been in the business for 15 or so years and oh, i was right, like yeah and i was building up a revenue. i was like <laughs> yeah. oh i'm about to ruin it oh my god <laughs> i know now when ant and i did it we heard lots of buzzes because i think everyone is just getting tired and fractious and nothing will prepare you for how loud those buses are will they oh that's what scares you yeah it's horrid and if then you're, then you're like oh all those like um fights they used to do at the coliseum with the emperors you're like this is must have been what it felt like <laughs> um but we were in that backstage corridor at the palladium you know where that big famous mirror is yeah and uh, there was obviously uh the eight of us sue and carly and Oh, we were just all concentrating. The one thing we hadn't done all day is had an opportunity to go through our routine. And so we're all just like, we're just like quietly like doing our lines to each other and stuff. Then there's a natural pause in the conversation. And everyone's, you can tell everyone's just thinking and just concentrating. And then Mark, who's the friend that I asked if he could be involved, he turned around to me and he went, Rob. I went, yeah. He went, whatever you do, don't get four buzzers before the rest of us come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. Oh no. Eyes and teeth. Because like, we, that... we initially thought it was that's the way that you uh, produced the act. We thought it was just Mama G. And then yes. all these dames walked on, and it was a great oh. moment, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got to say, when I got a really good reception when I walked on like genuinely so the response was so loud and i again I, I felt like i had them in the palm of my hands but then we went off and we started with i will survive that i'd rewritten the lyrics and the nice thing is i had to go off to for it to all work so i got to do a, a dame hilda bracket line which i love yeah. which is where she goes uh, uh i'm just popping off but i will pop back on <laughs> and i just love it's so it's so it's so throwaway and i got to do that which was a thrill um and then yeah, I came on and the audience was like, great, we've seen this person already. Oh, what's going to happen? And it's, you could sense it was a bit awkward because they were like, oh, no, they're just going to sing a song. And then uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who came on next. It might have been Courtney. But then Courtney came on and the crowd just went wild because there was another one. <laughs> yeah. And then each time one of us came on, they got louder <laughs> and louder and louder to the point where we're Mart Do you know Martin Ramsden? Who plays I Bunny Galore? I don't know. No, no he's, he used to be he used to be in an ugly sister duo for Kudos. And uh, he came on and he was like, I, I can't hear this. Uh, and I really? You couldn't hear it? Yeah. And, we, and then we just got through the entire act, including our joke. We had jokes in the middle, which they cut, probably for this reason. 
no one could hear what anyone was saying. Right. So we were all like having to lip read in a line oh, and just tell, tell from gestures what was going on. And I suspect we got out of sync, mm. but we did eventually get like once the, I think we went into It's Raining Men. Once that hit, we were, we were all fine. We we're all in the right place again. So I suspect they cut the jokes because it probably looked really messy. Okay. Um, all in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can be honest about that. And potentially you couldn't hear them because the, another thing they don't warn you about is that the sound is for television, isn't it? Yeah, of course. So actually the judges and the audience, if you've got a lot of music, they can't hear you that well, which I, mean, I think impacted when we did our semi-final. Um, but uh, was uh, we got a standing ovation from everyone apart from Simon, um, which was great. And we had just the loveliest comments. It was so, so nice and so supportive. But then once you leave the stage, uh, you're done. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> like, where does all this energy go? Get, get out <laughs> get out of the building, isn't it? Yeah. It they, was, feel, they film you all walking out because you had a great spot. So you film you, but yeah, get out of the that. building. We don't need you anymore. And then they they just sort of leave you. And <laughs> and the, and the we were able to get changed around the corner from the Palladium at a hotel. But they didn't even walk us around. Just they just like go. they filmed yeah. they filmed us leaving and then they sort of disappeared into <laughs> thin air as well <laughs> you carried on walking <laughs> yeah oh, well, that we was were, that yeah and then we, and we went into the hotel and we were like oh we believe our bags are here and they were like, are you are you the panto dames we were like clearly and they're like yeah they're downstairs <laughs> blimey it's it's it is strange isn't it because you've got that it, this epic feeling on the stage you're at the palladium you just smashed it you had a great spot like i know i did on that night they only show 20 seconds but i know i'd done a good six to eight yeah. minutes and and it was an incredible experience but then you walk out and they film a little interview with ant and deck and it's nice you got to work with another ant and there's not just one yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah but they loved you as well and it's and and then once you walk through that door that's it then the adrenaline goes <laughs> got to wait a couple of months to know if you're going to go any further and then you get the semi-finals and stuff and, and it's so nice to do the live shows isn't it yeah i the 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 live show was just the most 
thrilling experience it i can't like even the run-up to it because you get all those producer meetings we were going for vocal sessions with um <laughs> annabelle williams who was sam Ryder's vocal coach for eurovision wow. so the day after eurovision we had a session with her and she literally walked in with sunglasses on and i was like you're gonna have to sing quiet <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yeah which is amazing um and then where did you do your semi-final it was in the studio at um, Wembley. Oh, you you know, we, yeah, we're in yeah, the studio. Okay. Yeah. Uh, were you yeah, at the we did uh, Apollo? We were at that Hammersmith Apollo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not worked that yet. Insane. Uh, and all the dressing rooms are under the Hammersmith flyover. They're like little terrapins. Um, no, are they? Um, Porter cabins. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Can we, we, my school used to call them terrapins. That comes out so occasionally. The tiny um, little what, turtles. Yeah. Tiny, yeah. Everyone's getting chased a little turtle. I was like, stop it. <laughs> In a little shell suit. <laughs> yeah, a little shell suit. And by the end of it, they're crushed, especially if you don't get through. Um, and but so that was an experience. And the judges get changed in that area as well. So that was really cool. Like just bumping into like Amanda Holden and Alicia Dixon. Oh. Um, and we but that, the, the day of filming is wild. And it's so stressful. And but it, you feel like they, they are producing television at that point. And I, I think we felt a little bit like a a bit of a commodity but that was fine because we were just having the best time we flew the whole experience just it's just amazing yeah, but uh, i obviously your semi-final went very well didn't it it was incredible yeah 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 Had a great atmosphere but you feel wanted by that time once you've done the audition when you yeah. come and do that they do look after you don't they and you feel Absolutely. like you, you're meant to be there you weren't yeah it. exactly and and even though uh we didn't get through to the final which i'd kind of come to terms of at that point people are people are still like that was great you did a great job and we were looking for some I, i'm a family entertainer but we do drink we need it sometimes we were looking for somewhere to drink in hammersmith afterwards and it was it was quite late at night and we were like well let's just go to this hotel and the no i think it's an overtel and we went upstairs to the bar and like all the crew were in the bar oh, at drinking because that's where they're all staying oh, right. and and we were like obviously recognizing people but as we went to the bar people were literally coming up to us and saying oh my god were you the dames we absolutely loved you you've been so much fun to work with you've been so like our music researcher was like every time we got a song choice from you i was like yeah this is going to be amazing we got <laughs> turned down for so many songs it was ridiculous but she was like i was really fighting for you guys um oh, nice. so many people came up and said just how much pleasure how much fun they'd taken from getting to work with us it's great to get feedback isn't it really nice from the crew as well i mean if the crew uh, are on your side that's... yeah and i really like everybody that we came into contact with at britain's got talent i'm not saying this because i've got to but they were genuinely really nice people and they were very 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 supportive of us like from the get-go which was just really lovely uh and it's been really nice for me since because you know people are quite excited when they meet someone off the telly even though i was only on it for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know it's 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 nice to have from britain's got talent on your panto poster yeah and it's, milk it milk it it's 10 years I, for I wanna, me this year i'm still I'm gonna it. i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. um it's no it's just it was a great experience i'm and i'm the thing i'm most proud of is that i got to put panto like on that huge platform in front of millions of people and and i got to do something i love and just talk about it that's the best thing ever panto at the palladium and you brought it back there as well so i mean one day maybe they'll have you there to do a season that'd be incredible I, I, maybe i'll get the job as well i'm keeping yeah, my fingers that, crossed that is that is the goal 
to do panto at the Palladium. And I'm going to put it out there. I'd also like to do panto at the Theatre Royal in Plymouth because oh, that is coming that's, home. Yeah. Yes, that's where I fell in love with panto. So I've got to do a panto there. That's my goal. Well, that will happen. You manifest that. And uh, just before we go, we've got a couple of minutes left. But is there a book? There's got to be a Mama G book in you, a proposal of a children's TV show. Where is this going with Mama G? Because I can see that. It seems natural for that to happen. BGT did give me the television bug. Yeah. Uh, and I I am I'm trying to work on something, but I I'm a theater person, so I have no knowledge when it comes to TV. But, but um, could you film it in a theater? The TV show could be in a theater, and then yes, you, you get yeah, both well, we of did best worlds. Best of both worlds. I've got I've got a few ideas, so I'm working on that. Um I've got a few self-published books which are available from petitepantos.com. Um, mm. but I've also got a a story about a panto dame which I'm saving for a, a proper publication and a very kind uh, illustrator has offered to help. He's a published illustrator. So he's offered to help oh, get in contact with the right yeah. people. Because again, it's all about showing that Panto is a huge part of our culture and it can exist feasibly on television. It can exist, it can exist in books. It can exist in schools. It can exist in theatres, libraries, wherever. And it's a great, great way for us communicating so we should do it more often fantastic and we're so glad that you exist uh, not just oh, mama g you. but robert pierce oh, and like, like dame edna and um barry humphreys as well i mean it was there is a robert pierce and there's a mama g as well and uh, absolutely and thank you and you wouldn't say boo to a goose <laughs> <laughs> you've been you saving are, that, haven't you, you? Are a goose no i just <laughs> thought of that but yeah it sounds like i've been saving it yeah. <laughs> um robert pierce uh, Mama G, thank you so much for being on Eyes and Teeth. I'm so glad that you're on the show. On um, my final season as well. It's really great to <sighs> see you. What an honour. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being here. Robert Pierce. Bye. And Mama G. Goodbye, everyone. Hello, everybody. My name's Mama G, and I'm a storytelling pantomime dame. And today, on that stage over there, I'm going to be performing my storytime roadshow, telling stories to children and adults all about to Mama G and Robert for chatting today. You can follow, say hello or book Mama G for your event by clicking on Facebook. Don't forget you can catch Robert at the Woodville in Gravesend in Sleeping Beauty, April the 11th and 12th, 2023. Treat yourself this Easter. Today's quote comes from the one and only Paul O'Grady, AKA Lily Savage. I don't want to sound like Catherine Cookson, but I've worked since I was eight with a paper round and in a fruit and veg shop. Taking a pay cut won't demotivate me, not at all. It's not all about money in the first place. It's all about the job. As Robert and I were talking about Roy Hudd, you must go and support the show at the Sondheim Theatre in London. Roy Hudd's Hud Lions, a tribute show, is going ahead to help raise funds for a well-deserved statue of the man himself. 
You can get your tickets at www.theroyhuntstatueappeal.co.uk Or if Eastbourne is nearer to you, then you can book tickets on the same day for my show at the Grove Theatre Eastbourne, as I'm donating every penny towards the Roy Hutt Statue Fund. And both shows are on his birthday, May the 14th. Eyes and Teeth is written, produced and hosted by Steve Hewlett, vocals by Lola, Larissa and Nina Hewlett. Additional vocals by Rich T. The Eyes and Teeth music and jingles are produced and performed by Kevin Dean. Join me next time on Eyes and Teeth when I talk Elvis with an old colleague in Mark Elvis Goddard.